Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. In today's episode, uh, we are going to talk about uh, a topic that really deserves to be spoken about. You, you hear about school culture, very hot topic. You hear about culturally relevant teaching, very hot topic. Well, all of these point and direct to the word culture. And, and today in the episode, Dr. Rode is going to be talking about creating a culture of belonging. But before we start, we really have to look back and, and, and where does this idea of culture come from? Well, if you took Latin back in the day, or maybe you're taking Latin right now, it comes from the word calara. Now, I apologize for the pronunciation. I'm not sure if it's right, but I blame my Latin teacher who would always say, uh, class, you don't need to know how to speak Latin because it's a dead language uh, being spoken, but it's very much living in print. So, so the Latin word is calara. And it comes from the word cultivate. That's where today's word cultivate comes from. And so, Dr. Rhoda, if you would be so willing to take us uh, on this journey as we learn more about the culture of belonging. Yes, and what I appreciate about understanding the, the etymology of that word, where it comes from, is it helps us understand what it is, right? So if our word culture comes from cultivate, which comes from the Latin of that. that. That's an action. It's not something that just is. It's not this static thing. It's, it's, you're cultivating, you're doing something, right? There's an action there. And so we cultivate our culture. And especially for in our homes, for in our classrooms, for in our schools, what are the things we can do to cultivate that culture of belonging and security and acceptance because that's when the brain is in a place where it can really learn. So that's what we'll be talking about today. So culture kind of entails the norms or ways a group of people exist together. So what's the culture at your school? What's the culture in your classroom? What's the culture in your home? What do you want it to be? And I think that if we don't intentionally cultivate or create our culture, sometimes we're left managing the culture that just happens. And that can be like herding cats. And even if you are herding cats, where are you herding them to, right? And so. How do we be intentional about this? And I think that's a really important point to, to, to reflect upon because if we're not intentional about it, we unfortunately react to situations mm-hmm. and, and then we're, we're left spinning with, well, what about this? What about that? When, when we really have allowed it to happen. Yeah. When I first started teaching, I had, my principal told me that what annoys you in September will drive you nuts in April. Good advice that I received from Mr. Westfall, right? Why don't we fix things right now at the beginning of the year, right? You know, it's never going to be sooner to improve the culture in our home if that's what we want to do or in our classroom. I kind of like the analogy of if I'm walking and I have a pebble in my shoe. Have you ever had that where you're like, it'll go away? I mean, I'll kick it around and I'll move it to the side. And you just keep walking and you just keep on, your foot gets more and more sore until finally you just have to stop take off your shoe, get rid of the pebble. The pebble never goes away on its own. So why don't I just stop right away as soon as I notice a pebble and take it out, right? And so that's what—that's the same analogy I like to think of with culture. And so teachers at the start of the year, there are things that you know deep down in your gut, conventional wisdom, where you're like, I really should address this now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. administrators, it's the same, same mm-hmm. way. Because if you don't, you're just putting a Band-Aid on a situation and you know, you do know that it's just temporary. And you're creating for yourself uh, and uh, making it more difficult to create that culture that you want. One of my personal challenges to myself is to try to eliminate should from my vocabulary. Every time I think to myself, I should, just do it. Why sit around and say should? 
That's just procrastinating. If you know you should do it, just do it, right? So I've been coaching some teachers and we were talking about this concept of culture. And as, as I asked them, what do you want your culture to be? A Christian classroom, what do you want your culture to look like? And some of the things that came up, you know, or a classroom led by Christian teachers, I should say. Some of the things that came up were unconditional love, patience, resilience, growth mindset, forgiveness and grace, engagement and curiosity and wonder, responsibility, that internal locus of control. And as we were talking about this list, Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit just kept popping into my head. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that just as you stay connected to, to God's word, that's the byproduct. It's what happens. That's what we want our classrooms to look like. And so one of the ways I like to think about culture is that it's a set of living relationships working towards a shared goal. And as I'm reflecting upon this, mm-hmm. how unbelievable is it that, that God himself pretty much gave us guidelines mm-hmm. to follow for creating culture? They're, they're right there. We've read them many times. And yes, certainly there are great books on changing culture, systemic culture, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And yet the Lord provided clues to really the culture that we can create uh, in in a, 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 in a Christian environment. As we love each other, as we forgive each other, that automatically takes care of so much of it. So you were speaking of good books on this topic. What got me thinking about this? I've recently read an excellent book called The Culture Code by Daniel Quayle. Daniel Quayle is one of those authors like Daniel Pink that I really, really respect. He'll take a couple of years and just research a topic. And then he'll write what he's learned out of all this research. And so in Culture Code, he went around and researched organizations, industry, business, teams, sports teams, um, people that had exceptional culture and were known for their culture. And he was looking for common denominators. And a fascinating book. I'd highly encourage it if if you want to dig into culture a little bit more deeply. But what he came up with was if you want to cultivate culture in your organization, in your school, there are three skills that really lead to this. It's building safety. So it's exploring how signals of connection generate bonds of belonging and identity. Skill number two is sharing vulnerability, and that's how habits of mutual risk drive trusting cooperation. And skill number three is establishing purpose. It, it, how do you create shared goals and values? So in your classroom, how do you build safety? How do you share vulnerability? And we know that for a growth mindset, you have to be vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to go out on a limb, give a wrong answer, be wrong. It, it involves risk. Yes. Growth involves risk. Absolutely. And so how do you create your classroom to where that's an acceptable thing? And then finally, establishing that purpose. Why are we doing this? Well, again, one of my favorite quotes, when why has heart, how has legs? When we understand why we're doing this, we'll figure out how to do it. And so you can have those conversations with your students. So in the beginning of this book, they talk about a contest that was pretty, pretty interesting. They were given an assignment. Groups of people were given an assignment. And the assignment was, here are the instructions. You're going to get 20 pieces of uncooked spaghetti, one yard of transparent tape, one yard of string, one standard size marshmallow, and there's only one rule. The marshmallow has to end up on the top. Who can make the highest structure? And every time they would have groups compete, they would have a group of business students. Sometimes they were grad students, undergrad students, highly engaged business students. And the group they would be competing against was always a group of kindergarten students. Sounds like a potential uh, reality show here. Yeah, truly. And you know what they found? 
the kindergarten students won every single time. Without exception, the kindergarten students could always build a higher structure than the business students. So, so why do you think that that, that that is? Yeah, the business students appeared to be collaborating, but in fact, they were engaged in a process that psychologists call status management. They're figuring out where they fit in in the larger picture, who's in charge, is it okay to criticize someone's idea, what are the rules here? Their interactions appear smooth, but their underlying behavior is riddled with inefficiency, hesitation, competition, actually. So instead of focusing on the task, they're navigating their uncertainty about one another. So they haven't even reached it to the level where they've created an environment where they can do those. Exactly. So one of the things that they learned was highly successful groups have this distinct pattern of interaction. So as they observe, whether it's Southwest Airlines or it's Google, or they'd really studied the Navy SEALs. The Navy SEALs has had some challenges lately, but for a long time they were thought of as a really solid organization. Highly successful groups have a distinct pattern of interaction. They have close physical proximity. They often stand in circles and work. Profuse amounts of eye contact, really making connection, nonverbals. Lots of physical touch. There's handshakes, fist bumps, hugs. Lots of short, energetic exchanges. So no long speeches. Nobody's monopolizing with long, long speeches. High levels of mixing. Everyone's talking to everyone. They don't break off into little clicks. There are few interruptions. They're not interrupting each other. Lots of questions. Intensive, active listening, humor, laughter. And a lot of small, attentive courtesies, lots of thank yous, holding the door open. In fact, when they talked to these folks about how they felt about their colleagues, the word that was used, it wasn't colleague, it wasn't teammate, it wasn't coworker, it was family. Isn't that neat mm-hmm. in your work environment to feel and, that way? And, and isn't that what we want to create Absolutely. Uh, in a school classroom, in your classroom, or what we want to create a, a real, authentic, genuine in our family, that mm-hmm. it's the closest. It's just not a term based on how we're related to each other. It's more than that. Yeah, truly. And so what makes somebody feel like they belong? Uh, they're called belonging cues. And people who have studied this have found that there's three basic qualities to, that make people feel like they belong. And that is when the leader, the person responsible, brings energy. So they invest in the exchange that is occurring. They give you the, their attention and they give you their energy. Number two is individualization. They treat each person as unique and valued. And number three, there's a future orientation. They talk about the future and being together. They talk about how the relationship will continue. They talk about three years down the road, five years down the road. And so those are the things that we can do to be really intentional about making people feel like they belong. And why is it so important that people feel like they belong? So we have a place in our brain that's always worried about what people think of us, especially people who are in a place of power over us, higher ups. So as far as our brain is concerned, if our social system rejects rejects us, we feel like we could die. And so given that our sense of danger is so natural, it's so automatic, we have to do some pretty special things to overcome that that natural trigger, that natural fear that we're not going to belong. The key to creating psychological safety is to recognize how deeply obsessed our unconscious brains are with it. A mere hint of belonging isn't enough. One or two signals aren't enough. We have to build lots of signaling over and over and over again. That is why a sense of belonging is so easy to destroy and it's so hard to build. So you can say one thing to a kid and ruin months 
of and, having built up a good... And we've seen that play out in the classrooms. Yes. It takes a long time, concerted effort to get them off. Oftentimes you say, you know, to gel, to get them mm-hmm. communicating, interacting, acting like a family. Mm-hmm. And then absolutely, uh, it, it's very easy, yeah. uh, if not everyone is in tune with that, to have that breakdown really quickly. And we have to intentionally make them feel like they belong time and time again. You can't say, gosh, I already told them that I really value them. I did that once. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this ongoing, that's what relationship is, right? It's that ongoing, those affirmations. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you as a parent? What does this mean for you as an educator? My biggest thing I'd like you to take away is you can cultivate the culture you value. Create the culture you want instead of just managing what it is that you're not really happy with. It is something people do. It's not something that is. It's it's an action. So one of the primary ways you cultivate a healthy culture is to create a space where people feel safe and they feel that they belong. The ways you can do that are through those belonging cues, that energy, individualization, future orientation. Brene Brown, I've talked to her about her before on this podcast. Um, she, she will tell us time and time again, if you want to have authentic connection with somebody, there's really no shortcut. You got to spend time with them. And as you spend time with them, you learn if you can trust them or not. And how do you learn if you can trust someone or not? You're vulnerable. And if you spend time and you're vulnerable and they prove trustworthy, you have a solid, authentic connection. So, so how that plays out in my life mm-hmm. is in my family, when I go home, I have to intentionally, for me to work, say, look, I am going to spend X amount of time because that gets me moving forward mm-hmm. with, with one of my kids. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm doing that, I am all in listening, valiance, and, you know, future oriented. Well, what what is that going to look like, you know, when, when you're in high school? Mm-hmm. And, and then you, you, you put in some things. Well, you know, it may look like this. It may look like because they don't know because they haven't experienced it. But what's but, beautiful about that, you're also developing their prefrontal cortex. <laughs> they plan which needs future. to be developed in some cases <laughs> more than others. That's all of us. That's oh, all of us. That's true. <laughs> and, and, and school, it's the same. I, I often think, okay, I finally connected with that student on a professional level. But the key, like you said, is you have to sustain that. Because if you say, hey, great, it's working right now, and and you put it on the shelf, uh, that doesn't work. The next time you don't give them significant attention, it's all lost. And and wouldn't you agree, I think the most meaningful conversations, and when you really see the aha moment in your kid's life or in a student's life, is really when you do this, and it's authentic, and it's genuine, and this is not happening through text. Yes, it's, it's how we're wired. Humans need human interaction, human connection. So we have to repeatedly help people feel secure, that they belong. Like you said, it can be destroyed so very easily. This one careless comment. So we have to make sure that we're intentionally, repeatedly building it. And I think part of that, too, is that authenticity is speaking the truth in love. Not every conversation is a happy goose bumpy woohoo kind of conversation right um we have to have the hard conversations too but do them from a place of love and those hard conversations resonate after we've built that foundation yeah and really those hard conversations really are game changers in so many people's lives because you've done all the things that dr rhoda has suggested you to do Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from creating a culture of belonging. Number one, uh, the first step really is awareness of the culture around us. Uh, What is it that you like about it and what is it that you wish were changed? 
Uh, number two, we, we all are striving toward Galatians 5 you know, the fruit of the Spirit. We really want a culture of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah, as your culture building, refer back to the Bible and Galatians 5 provides some great, great advice and design. Uh, number three, uh, how do you cultivate culture? Well, as Dr. Rhoda stated, you need to build safety. Uh, you have to have that environment in order for, for culture to germinate and to grow. Uh, number four, Cultivating culture requires that you individually share your vulner vulnerability. Uh, there is no growth without risk. Really, really important that we honestly uh, address that. And number five, really important, and, and this may be the most difficult for many of us, to establish the specific purpose that we want. You know, how are we going to tell that narrative so that we move forward with shared goals and values? In, in other words, how can we proactively start the culture instead of reacting to the culture that we've allowed to create on its own? Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.